I, I have a cousin, Polly. An industry under pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Okay, we got some stuff here. All right, uh, let's see. Do you, any any of you remember any of these headlines? Uh, this one's from a couple of years ago. Extensive damage at Libyan oil production export uh, facility. Something I don't know. My headline got cut off, but uh, that was that was back uh, three years ago, twenty eighteen. Um, Libya lost about four hundred thousand or 240,000 barrels per day in production after that uh, militia attack. Let's see. U.S.-controlled oil field in Syria attacked by rockets. That was just this year, uh, so I'm sure you probably remember that. Um, Some other, uh, let's see. Uh, Here's a group that claims launching missiles at Saudi oil facilities. I think that was actually earlier this year. There was also uh, some stuff um, in the Niger Delta, uh, that resulted, oh, uh, theft, theft in the Niger Delta, uh, resulting in 100,000 barrels a day, just being stolen, 100,000 barrels a day. Um, these are, uh, so so these are, uh, this is a, a part of the industry that we don't maybe always think about, especially, you know, right now we love to, everybody loves to talk about cybersecurity because of all the new uh, risks that have been introduced there uh, as a result of us connecting everything and anything to a network and sensors and all of that. But, um, uh, you know, this, one of these, you know, oil and gas is an industry that has a lot of operations in, you know, not always all the friendliest parts of the world, not always all the safest parts of the world. And on top of that, um, some of those facilities are in kind of remote um, places where there's not a lot of eyes and not a lot of protection. And um, um, although I know all the all the oil companies do everything that they can to protect their facilities, but my point is is that they're easy targets. And because oil is um, is closely linked to a lot of uh, you know sort of government revenues and other economic policy and whatnot, um, it just seems like uh, if you've if you're trying to cause trouble in the world. Uh, this is a, a place to take aim, and so, um, and that's what we're and that's what we're going to talk about today uh, on the. By the way, you are listening to the Oil and Gas Tech Podcast right here on the Oil and Gas Global Network, the largest and most listened to network of podcasts for the oil <laughs> and energy industry. I almost forgot how that sentence ends, even though I love to say it so much. But uh, but we are the biggest and we're the best, and so. It's great that you are here listening to Oil and Gas Tech. Uh, if you like this one, then you should also listen to um, uh, the the companion show to this one, which I also host, Oil and Gas Digital Doers, where we talk about um, not so much about the tech itself, but more about how people in this uh, this great industry are actually getting digital done and seeing real value. So the two kind of go together. And if you like those two, then then go to OGGN.com and learn about all the podcasts that we have because you might have heard me say we are the largest and most listened to 
podcast network for the oil and energy industry. So that means there are more. And so if you like these, uh, we, we've got all of them listed and described on OGGN.com. You can also see photos and bios of your favorite hosts. Um, you, you can also, if you want to, you know, I know the cool kids don't really look at websites anymore. So you can just go to the Apple Podcast channel, OGGN channel, and you can see everything that we have there. But you should do that because... Um, We've got some great shows, great content, new ones coming out all the time, and um, and 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 all of our hosts do a really great job of of uh, bringing bringing great guests and and interesting things to listen to. And speaking of interesting things to listen to, today I have a great one. This is, uh, as you could tell by my little uh, opener, which usually has something to do with the topic. Uh, this one's a little bit different, and I've got a couple of guests today who are. Um, uh, well, uh, well, you're gonna hear their stories, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give away the punchline. But this is some cool stuff, and it's and it's something that we don't always think about, as I said, in the industry. So, ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm OGGN welcome to Ben and Ben. And that gets us to our guests today. Uh, as I, as you probably heard me mention right before that snappy musical interlude, we do have. Uh, I got a couple of great guys today. I mean, I, we always have great guests. Uh, at least as far as you, the audience knows, we always have great guests because obviously the ones that are no good, you don't get to hear those. But, um, but this one, I believe, I do believe in in uh, complete audience transparency. Um, and uh, except for when I don't, but in this case I do, and and I have to confess, uh, Ben and Ben, uh, you guys have been very gracious to come back and record this episode again because somebody had a technical problem the first time we did it. I'm not gonna. It was somebody here on the OGGN team. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't want to. I don't want to point fingers at anybody in particular. But um, we did have a little issue. Uh, which resulted in us only retaining the final 17 minutes of our conversation, which might've been the best 17 minutes, but still it seemed like we didn't want people to only hear that. So thank you guys for, for coming back and, uh, and doing it again. No, of yeah. course we do it a third time. <laughs> well, let's hope, let's hope that's not required. So, uh, so in true, uh, in true podcast fashion, let's do uh, a little bit of uh, who you guys are first and 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 what you're up to. Uh, I did say Ben and Ben, um, and and, uh, and and we also may say we might say Ben East and Ben West because one is in New York and one is in California. So obviously we're not all sitting together today in the same room. Um, but Ben Salander, who is on the East Coast, uh, we'll start with you and uh, and. I already know your story, but but you, but you can tell it again. Yeah, the short the short version. You could just tell the short version. I don't I don't want to work you guys too hard today. No, no, of course. Um, definitely the the less cool of the bets, but uh, I'm actually here <laughs> I'm true. in. Uh, <laughs> appreciate it, mate. But uh, no, I I'm actually as you said out here in in New York. I moved down from Boston. I was actually at, at Harvard for school for a bit. Uh, and decided to to try something different. So left after uh, my junior year, met uh, Ben and, and a couple of great guys here in, in New York. And I'm really uh, liking the uh, the the path not taken, so to speak. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure everybody's liking that. I think we laughed last time, right? I said, okay, let me get this straight. So you so you left Harvard 
and left Boston and moved to New York. You must be like the most popular person in your family right now. Oh yeah, and yeah, all my family is still in in Boston as well. So there, like of all places, you went to New York, right? Like, like yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you have insult to injury. Yeah, to make a statement out of it, surely. Yeah. So for those of you who are from other parts of the world who aren't, maybe, um, so there are some. There are some occasional, if I'm not mistaken, Ben, correct me. There's some rivalry between. Like, yeah, and only Boston. only occasionally, mostly only occasionally. related. Like I would yeah. say the majority of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's, so that's fun. All right, and then uh, and uh, Doctor Ben Acosta, uh, which is obviously why you're cooler than the other Ben, <laughs> um, uh, beaming in from the, the great the great state of California. What? Uh, yeah. Tell us about you. Yes, yes. So, uh, you know, I'm a bit older than than the other Benjamin. So, but so we maybe, all are really. So maybe so that has yeah. something to do with the, <laughs> uh, the uh, added cool, the, the additive coolness factor. Yeah, whatever. surely, because guys get cooler as they get older. We all know that. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Like like yeah. good wine. Um, <laughs> so, I've worn many hats uh, over the last twenty years or so. I've uh, I originated originally came from the intelligence community and um you know the the reins of bureaucracy were was not my my style so uh i went into academia you know got the the phd and uh was a professor at a couple of places uh, where, where there's no bureaucracy you went into that right right <laughs> i mean you can just kind of uh you can you can do the lone wolf there much easier but you know come in and do some administrative things like on every other tuesday so you know that's better <laughs> okay. better than the every day yeah, uh, but um i i ended up at a, a very good university in israel which uh then connected me with the the tech scene in tel aviv the startup scene mainly and um, was drawn into this this new venture, uh, connected with with Harvard Benjamin or Ben Ben East, and we uh, you know we we've we've been on this this path now for three years or so. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, I didn't realize I, for some reason I don't know if we talked about it being three years before, but um, but yeah. So that's a while. So you got some you've got some mileage, some traction, and. And, uh, and so I want to talk about what, uh, what, what you guys are doing, but you did, you very sort of quickly mentioned that, uh, you had, you know, some experience in the intelligence community, um, and w- which is, which is, a, which is actually a big part of how you, how you kind of got, uh, into this thing. Right. I mean, it's, it's related. Correct. So it's yeah. <laughs> so, no, <I'm> like, <laughs> shut up about that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this one on to Ben East because yeah. he'll he'll have the he'll have the right um, uh, summary of, of how to say this so I don't uh, you know get myself into too much trouble. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go <laughs> ahead, Har- Harvard. Go ahead, Harvard. <laughs> See that puts me on the spot there, man. But uh, <laughs> no, the uh, the premise, right, is you have a lot of these very advanced, robust. Uh, techniques, tools, methods, capabilities um, in, in government intelligence circles. And specifically, right. and, and that's translated actually pretty, pretty well uh, into the cybersecurity space. And a lot of times, you know, before this, sure, absolutely, I was yeah. working on, you know, critical infrastructure, cybersecurity work, right? Um, and that was pretty advanced even, um, even for, you know, even small towns of say 50,000 people, something like that. Um, 
but the the way that that translates over to you know what would you call the kinetic space anything to do with with the physical security that has the same general consequences of, of uh, cyber attacks was was really not all that noticed specifically by by uh, a lot of the VC community out in Silicon Valley you know, obviously there are exceptions to that but it, it is a bit of a a niche space um so it, yeah to, to your point it does translate pretty well yeah there's there's some so yeah. i'm trying to tie it up so tying it all together here we've been kind of talking around yeah the the whole thing and you guys got this company called arcturus uh, if i remember how to yeah. say it yeah correctly. exactly and uh which you've been at it for three years and this is really cool so th- this is a really this is a very different um i mean we've talked on on this show about uh, you mentioned cybersecurity. Uh, it seems like for the last six months, everybody wants to talk about nothing but cybersecurity. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about a lot. Of, but what you guys are doing for the oil and gas industry is really different. And um, and I'm not even going to try to. Sometimes I try to summarize it uh, <laughs> for people as kind of a lead in. But I'm just going to let you say, what does Arcturus do? Yeah. So basically what we provide... Um, in a nutshell, is is applied risk intelligence, and in our world, risk means you know actual physical bad things happening to you or your reputation or your stuff or your assets. Um, and what that means is collecting a lot of information about the bad things that have happened in the past. You know everything from a mass casualty, once in a lifetime event uh, that you know most people hopefully are, are never involved in all the way through the fact that you got your phone swiped at a Starbucks when you weren't looking or, or anything like that. Uh, and that gives us a, a very clear picture of what the, the local environment looks like, right? And, and there, there are certainly security applications to that. And then that's a, that's a, a big use case for us is using that information to actually uh, intuit motive and, and causal relationships between um, some of these events and then extrapolating that forward to anticipate uh, where those events will occur in the future. Uh, but more broadly, you can look at these, you know, stability or instability, right, as a, as a lens to view the world like you can finance or education or, or you know, any, any number of, 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 of facets. Um, so what we do is view businesses working in emerging markets and specifically uh, oil and gas firms, view those businesses and those operations through the context of, uh, of these risks. So what your P&L looks like, how your employees may or may not be in jeopardy and how it affects your, your overall corporate reputation as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if we pull, that's good. Thanks. So if we pull it up a little bit, um, uh, what you're kind of backing into there is uh, the fact that in the oil and gas industry, um, companies operate in a lot of places, a lot of parts of the world, um, you know, where some are, some parts are friendlier than others. And they have, uh, besides all the risks that we always, that we typically think about in oil and gas operations, like we think about, you know, what happens if we drill in the wrong place or what happens if, you know, we, you know, all the, all of the, operational risks that are just inherent to the industry. If you're operating in certain parts of the world, you have a whole other set of risks to manage. Uh, yes. Right. We, which doesn't always get as much attention in the conference rooms, you know, where we're coming up with cool technology right. solutions. Right? Yeah. And, and that's largely because it, at least from our experience, and I'm sure there are many different reasons this is true, but Generally speaking, specifically the kinetic information around the, the, this uh, this industry is pretty silent. Security information is used for security purposes. Um, 
And the goal, right, is to see how your broader business actually interacts with that information and make it more of a conversation among people at the board or a COO or someone like that as well. Yeah. So when you say kinetic information, what do you mean? Yeah. So as I said earlier, that just uh, implies any physical action that you would probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. You did say that. Okay. Right. 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 I'm sorry. And I, I didn't mean to make you say that over. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, so. All right, so we got the 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 idea is out there in some parts of the world, and I think you guys, if I remember correctly, uh, you said you started in focusing in Western Africa, but yeah, exactly. Other regions exactly. now, in some of these places, uh, if you're running um, uh, drilling or production operations or what have you, uh, you, there, you have to worry about really about bad people doing bad things in those areas, uh, militant groups and things like this. And, and what, um, so how just a little bit and, and Ben West, maybe this might be a good one for you. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to bounce it back the other way. Um, before you guys came up with kind of these fancy ways of doing this, how did, how did people, cause, cause nobody ever talked about this. How did, uh, you know, the executives and leadership and stuff of these companies deal with these scenarios? In these right. Parts of the world? So. You know, the, there's a long history of um, uh, specifically, you know, oil companies treating the environments that they go into in a very similar fashion as Western intelligence services do. So that means, you know, having people on the ground that that know the um, the environment, also having some type of larger subject matter expert who would be an analyst on on the payroll and say, you know. This area is this and this and this uh, mapping, you know, topography and demography on top of each other and then trying to, you know, navigate that mm -hmm. area or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this is largely a, a, a pen and paper and protractor process um, for many decades and still uh, th th that exists to this day and in, in not only uh, – at the corporate level, but also in government institutions. So you're starting to see a, a digitalization of that and um, an automation of that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I think we're kind of at the forefront of taking many, many techniques that have existed for thousands of years, uh, going, going back to ancient times that have still you know, been cemented it within, within Western, within Western intelligence services. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're making it easier for, uh, people to digest that information on a platform. Right. Right. And so by the way, Ben East, a protractor is a, uh, <laughs> a little piece of plastic kind of in a half circle. Shape. Yeah. I've, I've heard, uh, I, I yeah. thought that was mostly a myth. Kind of. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I still have one in my workshop. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, so people, so basically the answer the, or the, the, the idea there is oil companies up until now have been doing the same thing that any other, you know, government intelligence or, or what anybody else would do uh, using those traditional methods. And, and the thing that I think that's interesting about this is like this. So you guys have kind of brought math to this problem, right? I mean, that's, uh, yes. in, in simple terms, which, you know, it's a problem that maybe people might not think that you could bring math to, but you've, but you've brought math to it. Right. So, uh, 
pretty much a scientific approach. Um, there is a there is a big divide within uh, the tech world now of, of kind of like a, a, a data mining uh, approach, which is let's just gobble up all the data we can and, and kind of see what it is. Uh, I've kind of insisted that we take a scientific approach, which says you start with a theory. So mm-hmm. if we're dealing with, say, a, a Nigeria that uh, can can be very dangerous at times, you, know, you theorize about why it's particularly dangerous. You uh, then go to the subject matter experts, get their input, you develop hypotheses, and then this guides our data collection, uh, which is pinpointed and purposeful, rather than this going out with a big kind of like yeah well, approach. Seems like so much work, though. I thought you were going to say you start with a theory and then you just declare the theory to be true, but but because <laughs> isn't that how we do it now? But um, but no. So 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 what's like so a theory? So like an example of a th- of a theory in this type of a scenario. Yeah, is like what it would be something akin to the uh, demographic diversity of this area uh, imposes particular security risk. Okay. So, you know, traditional, traditional identity groups that don't uh, get along with one another, et cetera. Uh, or, you know, you take the extreme example, right, right. You know, Boko Haram, uh, you have to take, in a, take that into account because identity then matters. So this, this isn't a simple, uh, let's get from point A to point B and it doesn't matter who you are. Mm, mm-hmm, that trajectory mm-hmm. might be, safe for for one company and it might not be safe for another company depending on who the act what the actor identity is yeah okay okay so a theory in this case is uh a risk is created in this place at this time do you know by because of certain people who are motivated by certain the right like like that whole like all those parameters ultimately right. so then so then you go and you and you um do the rest of the process that you that you mentioned which is after you have a theory you have to do some work to determine whether that theory is true right and and we we do have a a very uh multi-layered kind of data of a data collection approach so uh i do go back to you know historical data sets uh some of which i've participated in in building or, or some that i've made on my own that are, are at the scholarly level mm-hmm. um that's kind of the the baseline um, view or picture that we get. And then we can go into more automated things and, and Ben can talk about, um, you know, how we get answers to particular questions that, that we then raise ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So what, so, so you have a basic kind of construct and now you're going to like, like poke it with different questions, right. And see what kind of answers you get. Certainly. Is that the, yeah, exactly. that's your cue, Ben. Just jump in, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's all it's all user defined, right? And to to go off of what uh, Ben was saying, there's uh, the 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 construct is if you have say a million examples, I was saying earlier, a million examples of bad things that are happening, you can then in a model weight uh, the context around those incidents, right? We know who was attacking who and when and if what the weather was and if there was a sporting event nearby and holidays and anything like that. And you can run, uh, you can train a model to say, okay, well, what combination of those weights actually 
lead to the outcome that we know to be true? Like what, what explains what has happened in the past? And, and Ben, uh, feel free to, to jump in if I'm mischaracterizing this at all. Um, but from there, you can then see where those same stimuli occur in the future or essentially in real time, right? We know on Wednesday in a, you know, in a very broad sense that it's going to be hot out and the Yankees and to your point are going to be in Boston. So people might yeah. uh, feel a little more aggressive and you can find that at scale and, and just right. to, to folks. And then from there, you can apply a bunch of different use cases. So not to get too uh, in the weeds of this, but if you yeah. have a pipeline that's going up somewhere, any kind of logistics, we know what the risk profiles for, say, a given kilometer square will be. Um, and we also know, because we work very closely with our, with our partners, of course, in a, in a siloed way in this particular case, but we know how those assets are valued and what they mean to the company and, and necessarily not financial ways either, like employee safety or reputation or how much that matters. Um, yeah, yeah. And then all, all we have to say is great. Well, we know the likelihood of a certain event happening because we can anticipate that certain stimuli will emerge. Uh, from there, we know, say, in the cost example, how much the assets you have going through that area are worth. Uh, and from there, we can determine your exposure. Um, so in other words, it's saying if I put a pipeline down here versus there, I know I have a delta of well, you know, $20 million, $30 million, whatever, um, of exposure on, on that specific route. And you can yeah. put that into the way that you, you decide to conduct your business. Yeah. So, okay. So you said a, a few really interesting things in there. Um, the first, the first actually was coming out of the, uh, very smooth transition from Ben West to Ben East that we had a minute ago, um, where, where somebody said something about like millions of, um, millions of records of things like the the idea that there is that there are data sets large enough on this kind of stuff not not that the data hasn't right. doesn't exist not that the occurrences have happened i mean that's but that people have captured this in yeah. in in structured right. data yeah uh, for some number of years i guess right yeah and, and so that's actually and, and ben you'd know better than i but uh, largely, the, these sets are, are, they exist specifically in the historical context, but the thing they're missing is sort of the real time aspect, right? And per my example of anticipating something a few days out, you wait the events that are happening now more than the events that happened a week ago because they reflect current conditions. Um, so what we yeah. can get are, you know, we can piece to cobble together, you know, a dozen sets or so that update every two weeks and they're, they're pretty good, but maybe not the most granular, but there, there's a lack of a real time data set that actually constantly updates on a minute over minute basis sure. on this. So that, that's kind of where we're coming in to fill that gap between some of the. the yeah, 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 data. yeah. It makes sense. I, but, but it's great to have the historic, cause if you didn't have the historical data, you guys would just be like treading water for 20 years until you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly the, that's exactly the, the, the point right there. Right. And, uh, yeah. you know, um, last time we spoke, I said, um, you know, the kind of old adage that uh, prediction is really hard, especially about the future. Yep. Yeah. That um, is the hardest. Yeah. So you can, you can look at historical data and, and see patterns and say, Oh, wow. You know, I, I should have seen this coming. Right. Um, but it's the baseline of, of almost like the range of, of what you should expect. There's always going to be outliers and anomalies that just kind of shatter that, that whole world. But 
taking the scientific theoretical approach, you have to have that baseline that, uh, you know, we're talking about data sets that uh, go back to like the 1970s and, and late 60s. That's a good kind of way to, to see how things might go. Yeah, and it, yeah. it forms it. So I'll, I'll sit there at the kind of abstract conceptual level. It will inform me then to say, uh, you know, Ben, we, we should do this. And he'll say, well, you know, I even saw this. And that kind of real time um, on the ground uh, data collection then really becomes powerful if you magnify it against those those baseline data sets. The historical data sets, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, uh, it, may, it makes it kind of makes you wonder, um, you know, if you guys are still at this twenty years twenty years from now, um, uh, and we haven't outlawed all the you know hydrocarbon production, right. then. Uh, <laughs> like how much like how much more will you be able to right because then you'll have then you'll have 20 or 30 years of like historical data context that people gathered you know for no particular reason you know it's a snowball already yeah it's it's getting better and better and better and um you know not to pat ourselves on the back too much but um yeah it's 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 getting better uh at huge magnitudes yeah yeah so which actually gets me to my next uh the other thing that i wanted to kind of hang on to that ben said a minute ago um because you you sort you rolled into this other aspect of this that i think is uh really kind of amazing which is getting down to the asset level the facility level because my first thought you know the first time we talked about this was yeah all right well if you're talking in broad geographic regions or even localities yeah um and i'm running an 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 oil and gas operation in this particular okay it's fine for you to tell me that you know there might be a threat in this particular uh locality or this region but i probably kind of already knew that so how do you get down to telling me what is specifically at risk within my within my stuff? Yeah, right? exactly. And, and just to like give a, a sense, I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners already know this, but you know, by some estimates, like on the high end, I think it's something like 400,000 barrels of oil per day are stolen just from Nigerian oil, like companies working in, in the Delta region alone. Wow. Um, and you know, multiply that by whatever a, a barrel of oil costs. I think it's just peaked over 80 the other day. So that's like $30 million a day. So I mean, something like yeah. 20% of anything produced um, right. is, is stolen. And there's, you know, the, the effects on the local economy are, I mean, it's just a huge, uh, very complicated issue. So it's, it's, it's yeah. something that's important to be able to quantify. Um, that's essential. And that's the case with all data products, but it's especially important with ours. Um, yeah. and, and that's the great part of, of having, uh, a very close working relationship with with uh, with our partners, right? Um, fortunately, there are folks that have spent years building ways to track assets, like any uh, ERP suite, like Oracle or, or Microsoft has one, IBM has one, right? Uh, and those bits of software are designed around tracking the value of assets and how they depreciate and comings and goings of logistics items and measuring stock and knowing where it is. And all of that is updated in real time. Um, so at scale, uh, we can just in- integrate with that and project our map, our data onto uh, the pre-existing infrastructure there to keep uh, 
integration and adoption uh, costs at a, at a minimum, both in, in time and dollars. Uh, but worst case scenario, you can literally, in a, in a GUI sense, drag and drop assets onto the map and assign them a value, and we can take that into account. And it really runs the, the full range there. Yeah, so that... You know, um... Yeah, that's really good. And that, and that get, <laughs> so while you're talking, I'm thinking about the next thing that I want to get into. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then you say it. So this is really, <laughs> this, is working, this is working out really well for me. I, I'm going to put my feet up here in a second, but, um, but that, but that's the next thing, which is okay. Uh, and again, when I, when, when, when I first heard about what you guys were doing, the way I imagined it was, okay, you got this really, uh, you get some really cool models and you're doing some amazing things with data. And what's going to happen is, um, if I'm, if, if, if I'm running, uh, an operation in one of these parts of the world, I'm going to get in touch with you guys. And, um, and, and you're going to like, and it's going to be like a consulting or an advisory thing where you're going to look at all my stuff. You're going to go away into like, like Dr. Ben's magic back room. You're going to like, you know, crunch a bunch of like numbers and you're going to come back to me with a report that says, you know, and charge me a bunch of money for it. And then, you know, six months later, I'm going to hire you to do the same thing again. That was like how I imagined it. But it turns out that, it, that you actually have, as you were getting into, like you have software, yeah. cloud-based software that I can just use to leverage to directly myself leverage all the goodness that you guys are producing so so how the heck does that work because yeah so it's it's actually a lot a lot i mean there's a lot of of uh wizardry under the hood that ben can speak to better than i but we have right integrations with with software that's used to track assets and things like that or again you can upload that yourself um it's a web app software as a service platform so it's like a very standard way to deliver um, these sorts of services, which is, is yeah, like right. one of the great things about um, BC-backed software firms is you can have these very complicated pieces of, uh, of tech that can roll out pretty scalably. Um, yeah. And that's all just accessible from a, a web terminal. And of course, if you do want to talk to uh, Dr. Acosta about you know what's appearing and why, and, and maybe even some implementation help, we can always uh, handle that as well. But generally speaking, uh, the goal is that you can get uh, dynamic information from this. So based on the various comings and goings of your assets or your people, you get updated answers without having to, right. to call anybody. You can just check your, your computer. So, yeah, so what, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say to, to piggyback on this, I, I think the big distinction between, you know, your original, uh, you know, what you envisioned, what we do, and then as opposed to what we do is, um, you know, the, the, the field of neuroscience has, has really developed, um, taking large strides. And one of the cool things that they do is really operationalize and turn all the old psychology theories into testable, really, real, really testable uh, models. Right, right. You discover that, like, human beings are really bad at identifying patterns, and they, they the humans tend to think that they see the pattern, but it's half the time it's not really there and this is one kind of advantage that that uh models and and other scientific techniques have over identifying patterns so in contrast to the the traditional kind of consulting thing which is you know maybe a team of people or one or two saying here's the pattern we're we're developing the model uh 
very sophisticated models that are going to tell us more than, you know, eyeballing the map could ever really show. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the real competitive advantage. I think that, that we have is it's like, yes. Okay. You, you see this pattern that's great. And it might be there to some degree, but what you're not seeing is this. And that's really what you should be worried about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like we, we t- I think we talked about this last time when we had our rehearsal. Um, it's, uh, you know, a lot of times you think about, at least for me, at least when you think about somebody who's really good at, you know, you, with this kind of stuff, right. You picture like, like there's this room with a bunch of people in it and like, there's like some Jack Ryan character over in the corner and, right. you know, about 20 minutes into the discussion, he kind of raises his hand and says, excuse me, you fellas, but you're looking at this all wrong. Right. And, and then he proceeds to tell you everything. Uh, because and, and not because he has a database or because he is doing any math, but, but like he just knows he just knows because who knows why, but he just knows. Yeah. The, the key goal is, is, of course, to basically make that, as you said, that 20 minute conversation just a bit shorter. Um, you can't yeah. really you can't really replace, uh, you know, the analyst at the end of the day. That's like never the that's never the goal. It's not even really what's best for for anybody as, as far as we can tell. Uh, but what we can do is just make them far more efficient. We can give them the the insights that they would otherwise spend hours looking for and leave them to just be able to make the decisions based off the information, right? Yeah. Um, so that that's sort of, I think, what, what uh, I don't want to kind of overstate the extent to which we are uh, uh, complete digitization of, of, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a lot more about making sure that the workload on that in that specific task can be done at scale, taking what an analyst knows and just applying it over, you know, millions of of points. Um, Right. Or, or, or perhaps maybe taking what a thousand analysts know, right. And making that available. It's very similar to, um, there are some, there are some guys at the, uh, Oh, what's the uh, the national oil company in Portugal? Galp, and um, in fact, we did an episode on this, and and um, they worked with IBM for a couple of years on a project that they called Geoscience Advisor, and the their whole concept was, and it's so it's like an AI thing for seismic interpretation and and imaging and or not imaging but interpretation and I think reservoir and stuff like that, right. and. And their whole point was not to take the, the role out of the picture, but they recognize that you have, you've got these people who have 30, 40 years of experience doing this geoscience work in the industry and they're retiring. And eventually, I guess most of them keep coming back as contractors, but eventually they're retiring. And, and what they wanted to be able to do was take, was take a, a, a younger people with perhaps less experience, enable them to do their job. And instead of, them having to call up, you know, basically it's like having that 35 year veteran stand over their shoulder, right. Mm -hmm. And be able to give them help. Right. um, Based on, based on that, that wealth of experience that they have. And that's something that you can't like, like humans aren't going to be able to transfer. Like there's no way for me as one individual person working the problem to somehow try to aggregate the knowledge of all the other people who have done this over the years right. and bring that to bear. So, so right. what you're describing to me sounds very similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about trying to, in that case, preserving institutional memory. Right. But exactly. Um, we only show what people ask. In other words, we know, we trust our, our specifically the analysts that were that uh, work with our software on the day to day, but uh, specifically, 
specifically anyone uh, in our, our, our partner firms, um, we trust them to know what to, to look for, right? Yeah, we, sure. we just provide a bit of scale around that so they don't have to, as Ben said, look with a, you know, a pen and paper and a, and a protractor. We can just get you that answer. Um, more yeah, sure, so sure. So we can get right to the, right, exactly. exactly. Good. So um, we are, and, I'm, and I am, I'm watching the clock here. I want to make sure that we wrap up in the uh, in the expected amount of time. So, what um, what else? You know, so I, I think we I think we covered most of kind of the problem, what you're doing, how this is helping people. Um, we kind of have a sense of how if I'm if I'm somebody who wants to who who wants to take advantage of this capability, right? I I call up one of you guys, I guess, and, and say and and sign up. And you mentioned some implementation. And we're going to put all this in the show notes. You yeah, mentioned you do offer some impl implementation help because that's another thing that comes up a lot of times is, okay, that sounds all really good, but how do you get all my data hooked up with your right. stuff so that it's right and all that? And and I think I remember you saying that you've, you've kind of ironed that out. So it's not it's not quite like in, like in olden times when we used to think about having to integrate our data to something. It was quite a chore, but... Uh, but yeah, you get that. yeah, exactly. So we have integration. Like if you are using one of these asset management tools, we can just integrate with that. You never have to think about it again. Worst case scenario, um, you can literally just drag and drop the assets that matter most to you uh, for an initial startup. And of course, we can we can help out with that in a forward deployed engineer sense. So we can actually send someone out to uh, send someone, yeah, help yeah, yeah. with that. So and then we we obviously the, you don't want to have to import millions of assets um onto some yeah sure so either through an api or or through one of our guys we we handle that yeah them, yeah so. so you got that you got that pretty well there okay so i think we covered all the grounds any good so like but this is such a fascinating uh subject that i got it and we didn't rehearse this question but i got like like any good like anecdotes or stories or something uh not, not anything scandalous i'm talking about like like the show uh you know the kind of impact that, that it's been able to have on, uh, on, on people's business. Yeah. Um, I can give you one that we actually did last week. Um, if that works and Ben, I'm sure you have some more <laughs> great stories in the abstract. I don't care. It touches on what uh, Ben was speaking about earlier, but the use case for us was trying to plot logistics routes through the North of Nigeria, actually. So not through the Delta, but North to South uh, routes. And right. the concern was, how do you get from suppliers in the north to the, you know, is that a viable strategy? Can we uh, specifically in Borno State and around that, what are the relevant risks to be aware of um, insofar as as working with those guys? Or is it better to, to focus on, on the south where Boko Haram is, is uh, less active generally? Um, and what we found in this case is that to Ben's point, it doesn't really matter as much where you were. In, in these states. It much mattered who you were and the markings on your car and things like that. Uh, uh, and, what, yeah. and what that actually enabled uh, this particular partner to, to, to see is that those options were viable so long as they were selected carefully. In other words, you didn't have to write off a whole region um, for the sake of, of security. You could actually get all the benefits from working there as long as, as you chose deliberately. Um, and that was able to, to unlock a, a whole new interesting of yeah. business uh, yeah. there and, and try to see how, how that could, could mesh. But uh, Ben, I'm sure you, you have something to, to add to that. Oh, let me see. Uh, you're putting me on the spot here. Yeah. Um, 
Well, you know, you gotta, you gotta have something. Yeah, I mean, st- sticking with the, uh, with with um, the the pattern thing and and illuminating, you know, new new areas of of uh, viability for whatever the business might be. Um, a, a good kind of lesson that I've learned um, in in olden days, so to say, right, uh, is really uncovering what entities are and and who they are so you can you can take one example from from the middle east where for years i i was investigating or researching and trying to uncover uh who what the origins of this terrorist group were because their targeting practices were very strange and um I could, I, I really couldn't put my my finger on it. It was driving me nuts for a long time, even after the fact that it no longer mattered to to yeah yeah my original uh, inquiry. And it was you know an intelligence service doing doing this type of stuff on under a, a bunch of false flags. So I think the false flag kind of um, lesson that I learned in the in the real world, so to speak, is something that's you know guided us to say okay maybe this isn't what it really looks like let's let's take a, a closer look at it and that right there uh, just uncovers and illuminates all sorts of other things that we we really never expected yeah yeah no that's a good uh that's actually probably a good place to wrap up and you did very well by the way saying that in a very obtuse way that we couldn't really figure <laughs> out what you were talking about but it's but it's fascinating so so and we don't think all the time about we don't always think about you know we think about all that kind of stuff going on with governments and states and you know all of that but 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 industrial companies that operate in these places uh face all those same all those sort of same challenges i guess is kind of the moral of the story right exactly the world's world's a crazy place that yeah well that and i think we're going to end on that the world is a crazy place so uh ben and ben um ben ben salander and dr ben acosta thank you again guys for uh stepping back up to the plate here and i can say that so far it looks like we have a technical success and did i not tell you that this was going to be a good one in fact um if you uh, if you're a regular listener, which I mean you should be by now, you should be a regular listener, and uh, you might remember it was like one or two episodes back when I I, I gave a little teaser about this when I mentioned that it was coming, and so uh, hopefully it did not disappoint. Uh, this was a good one, and you know not not that all of our episodes aren't aren't great and all of our guests are great, but I this one was particularly different, and uh, I'm glad to have been able to bring it to you. Speaking of bringing to you, we do have a lot of cool stuff happening at OGGN. And in fact, some of it I I really can't even talk about yet. So the best way to find out what we are bringing to you and what's coming and don't miss anything is uh, follow us on LinkedIn. I mean, look, that's we're all on LinkedIn. It's, It's the Facebook for business people. Well, you're there anyway. You can follow OGGN and you can find out about, uh, you, you won't miss a thing. You'll find out about everything that happens, all the new programs and, and the events. And, uh, and, and you won't, uh, you'll, you'll be part of, the, part of the community and you'll be plugged in. So that's what you need to do. That's going to wrap it up for today, folks. Thanks, as always, to my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who patches it up 
and puts on the shine. Last bit, you know, I got to say before I uh, before I sign off here is that when you hear somebody talking about how oil and gas is behind the times and slow to adopt new technologies, then you just got to give them that history lesson that you've heard me say before or do your own research and come up with your own history lesson. There's plenty of it out there. Oil and gas was tech before tech was cool. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGDN.com.